Hi everyone and welcome to another Firms Consulting podcast about the consulting offer. Um, and this time we're going to talk about Felix. And I'm going to discuss one of the sessions we had over the phone that was never captured um, in the video footage because when we were traveling we lost some of this. It, we lost very little eventually. I think we only lost three hours out of 180 hours of footage but um, you know, this is one of the important pieces of advice that I thought that I should do a podcast about at some time. And the podcast is about whom you should follow as a mentor. So the question is this, right? Felix wanted to know, okay, when she joins McKinsey or BCG, McKinsey was a preference, should she ally herself, align herself and work with the partner who was at the top of his game or should she work with a different kind of partner? And I thought this was an interesting podcast because conventional wisdom would tell us that you've got to align yourself with the guy who's at the top of his game or the lady who's at the top of her game. And I would say that's incorrect. Here, conventional wisdom is wrong, and I'm going to explain why it's wrong, giving you a couple of very simple examples, right? I'm first going to explain the concept, then I'm going to use some examples to explain this, uh, to give you a practical understanding of how this works. So, when someone's at the top of the game, they're either in a defensive mode, which means they're protecting what they have, or they're in a building mode, which means that they're at the top of the game, but they still have the attitude, the attributes, and the behavioral patterns of someone who is trying to succeed, right? Now, if you're at the top of your game and you exhibit defensive patterns, right? Everything you do is about defending. If if someone is working with you and learning from you, they will look at what you do and mimic and inherit and interpret and you know internalize these defensive patterns thinking that is what is required to be successful. Right? If you are at the top of your game, but you act as if you still have a long way to go, you're still very client-focused, you still, I would use the word hungry in inverted commas to be successful, then that's the kind of attribute to display. If someone is watching you and being mentored by you, that's the kind of attributes they'd pick up. Now, so it's very important to look at someone who's at the top of the game and understand are they at the top of the game and trying to defend what they're trying to do or at the top of the game and still exhibiting the patterns of what got them to the top? Now, this may sound like a, like a very small thing, but let me give you some pretty good examples of this, right? Let's assume, and I, I'm using the, I'm going to use the example of Microsoft here, not because I think Microsoft's a bad company. To be honest, I don't know anyone who works. Well, that's not true. I know a few senior people, but I don't know anything about the company, right? We don't discuss work. Um, so I'm going to use Microsoft as an example of a company that's been defensive, purely because that's what the press says. I don't know if that's true, although their market share and latest products may indicate that to be the case and I'll use the example of you know, an aggressive up-and-coming company that has always you know displayed um, the ability to um, fight ethically I hope and take market share I'll, I'll use uh, maybe a Salesforce as an example of again I don't know anything about these companies but it's just what I read in the press right now if you are a young engineer and you go to Microsoft and you spend five years working with Microsoft in the Windows group, right? 
we can agree it's at the top of the game. They do dominate that sector, right? Um, they are, you can say whatever you want about the product, but they, they own that sector. A lot of upstarts, a lot of people trying to take market share, but they're so far away. Now, Microsoft's at the top of the game in the Windows market. Um, they have been accused, I don't know if this is true, of doing things to protect their market share, bolster their revenues, and lock in customers. Now, if you work in a place like that, what kind of business skills are you going to learn? Imagine you arrive at a meeting and you're sitting with all the product managers of Windows and they're talking about things like, okay, we got to take market share, we've got to lock in revenue, we've got to not cannibalize our products. Now, it may be easier for you to say that, oh, I'll arrive there and I'll challenge them. No, you won't. What happens is after six to nine months of working in a company, you become desensitized to what's happening around you and you think it's normal. You pick up the attributes of the company, right? Now, if you worked at Salesforce, and I'm assuming they're an aggressive company based on what I've read, you know, you go in there and they talk about you know, putting the customer needs first, building products that serve customers, changing the product mix to make sure that customers are satisfied, spending time with clients and so on. So, so what happens here, right? You're at a, and you could argue Salesforce is at the top of the game. You could argue, depending on which you know product they're at, they're either behind the game. Now, my point I'm trying to make here is that if you blindly pick a senior partner at the top of their game, that doesn't mean you're going to learn the attributes that got them to the top of the game. Because you're going to be dealing with a senior partner who has already done what is required to get to the top, and he may not be exhibiting that behavior that got him to the top. And that's human behavior, right? Human behavior is to be successful and defend the golden goose, as they say. That's human behavior. We will work really hard when we're young, late teens, early 20s, 30s, build something and then defend it until your partner divorces you and takes away half of it, right? So I think that, you know, it is human nature to do this. Now, I'll tell you, my, I'll give you my own example here, right? When I joined the firm, I reported to an energy partner who was, everyone told me, this is the guy you got to report to. You know, he's young, he's ambitious, he works for some of the most prestigious clients in the world. Um, and, and to be honest, I was kind of taken by this guy as well. I mean, he was quite, you know, also, he's, he's very charming, he's very outspoken he's got very good people skills you know you could see the man has no problem standing up talking to people getting their attention very eloquent speaker very um he has the ability to make you feel like you're the most special person in the world and i said okay kind of obvious everyone says he's the best so you know let's align myself to him so i spent a few months working with him and what i found about him is that firstly I don't think he was doing anything enormously creative. So I think there was a lot of luck involved with him having a great relationship with some powerful CEOs in the energy sector who kind of liked him. But I really, I mean, you could, I think that at the time you could have said, well, Michael, you're only early 20s. What do you know? But I think over many years, my understanding of the way he operated born out turned out to be true I mean the guy wasn't doing anything overly creative he was simply you know attaching the gold plated platinum plated name of the firm to fairly I think average studies 
beyond that, I felt that I also watched, you know, the way he built his teams. And what he had done is he had decided that these are inf- important members of my team. And irrespective of what happens, I have to shower praise and credit on them. And, you know, promote them, basically, no matter what they did. Even if they're doing a bad job, I will shower praise and credit on them. And, uh, you know, the other thing is that I found he was very defensive in his maneuverings, you know. A lot of times we would have discussions and he would say things like, well, we can't do this. It would, you know, risk the relationship with the client, which is obviously the opposite of the ethos of the firm. And you think this wouldn't happen at BCG and McKinsey, but it does. There are partners there that don't deserve to be there. You wonder how did they become a partner, right? But, you know, not everyone is perfect. So, I, I threw my stock in with this partner who was at the top of his game, going places. He went on to become even more senior within the firm. Let's not kid ourselves. But, you know, you, you he's now at the stage where he's not exhibiting the patterns of someone who became successful, but defending the turf he had developed. Now, if I had spent a lot of time with him, I am almost guaranteed to have picked up the mannerisms he had. Because if I look at his team today, and I still have a pretty close relationship with them, um, they're all the same, you know. They're 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 turf protectors. They're very conservative. I don't think they they address the client issues directly. I think they kind of skate around it to make the client to please the client and maintain the relationship, right? Uh, I threw my stock in with a young associate principal who had no friends, probably didn't know how to dress. Actually, didn't know how to dress. I don't think he still knows how to dress. Uh, but a very very what I would say, he's a guy who's willing to take risks. I found. And I found that he's willing to, you know, he's willing to look at the client's problem for what it is and say, okay, we don't have the answer, but we're willing to think it through, which is very rare, I think, for most people. So I shifted from working with a senior partner who had made it to a junior partner, associate principal. Well, I think, don't even think a junior, the word junior partner applies. Yeah, it's associate principal. You're kind of a, a, a person waiting to be a junior partner. And I found he had the right value system. And I learned more from him. Now, this is a classic example of versus picking someone who is at the top of the game, the senior partner in energy, or picking someone who's not at the top of the game, the in-waiting junior partner who as yet hadn't proven himself at all. When we make decisions in terms of whom we are going to select to be mentored from, when I was young, I made the decision as well of picking the senior person whom everything was sa- whom everyone was saying was, you know, you've got to watch this guy, he's the man to beat. But what I realized is that it took me a long time to understand that this was the halo effect at play. The halo effect was everyone was looking at the person serving big, multi-billion dollar clients, always talking to the senior partners, and they assumed that, well, he must be good at his job and he must be a good person to learn from. But that wasn't the case. And it's really difficult to figure this out when you're a young associate or a young, you know, an associate is still very young. You're a bit naive about in terms of what needs to happen. Um, and who do you throw your stock into? Do you, you do you throw your stock into someone that no one's talking about, or do you throw your stock into someone everyone's talking about? I think this way, this is what I talk about when I say people are very bad at analysis. I mean, that's the human nature. We are pretty bad at analysis. So we look at what everyone else is saying and says, well, if everyone else is saying this, it must be good, so let's do it, even if we don't fully understand it. And I would urge you not to fall for that trap. I would urge you to look at partners, be a good decider if this person is doing what is in the best interest of the clients, a good team player, and also I think it demonstrates the attributes of someone who still feels as if they have some way to go versus someone who is simply defending their territory.
because if someone is defending their territory I mean, ultimately at the end of the day you're going to pick up the attributes of someone who has already been successful rather than someone who is going to be successful and if you are not successful you have to be aligning yourself and learning how to be successful not defending something you don't already have and that's that's a key thing for me when i look at you know i have many clients who want to know who to align themselves with how to mentor themselves and so on and i think they pick the wrong people successful people are only or people at the top of the games, what I call the ones, the one, the people who are number one in their field, are only good to be mentored by if they still remember how they got to the top and they still demonstrate those mannerisms. People who are ranked number two, number three in their field, those people are just starting off. They are always demonstrating that mannerism because they still have to get to the top. So be very wary of picking mentors. There are times to pick the best provided they still demonstrate those attributes of being successful. But I would say many people at the top don't demonstrate those attributes because they want to defend what they have. Now, as always, if you have any comments or questions, feel free to post them. I don't want to make this a too long podcast. Um, but I thought it was important enough because, you know, m- selecting a mentor is probably one of the most important things you will do. And I know most people just go out and look at stuff on the internet and then they'll Google someone, and then they'll listen to what their friends say, and they'll jump in. And everyone's excited. You know, everyone I ask them, you know, how's your mentorship relationship going? They'll say, oh, Michael, it's going so great, blah, blah, blah. And I say, but how do you know it's going great? And they'll say, well, um, I don't know. Well, that's just the point. You're saying everything's going great because everyone told you previously working with this person is great. So you don't want to sound like the odd one out saying, well, you know, 10 of my friends told me this person's great. I don't see it. So maybe there's something wrong with me. No, there's nothing wrong with you. If the mentorship relationship doesn't lead to any action, the mentorship relationship is not going anywhere and you should bail out as soon as you can. The point is do not say things are going well because everyone else is saying it. Everyone else is saying it because everyone else is saying it and and you need someone to step forward and say, you know what, this is not working. This person is not such a great mentor. I need to find someone else. Do not confuse seniority with competence. Sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not there. And even where competence exists, there are two kinds of competence. People who are defending their territory and people who will demonstrate the attributes of capturing success. You want to be with the latter.